And we're live. Welcome, everybody. This is the Reality Czars Podcast, and we're your hosts, Nate and Tony. Hello. Uh, we have the awesome Charlie Robinson on. Brother, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this is your first time on the show. Do you want to tell our audience a little bit about yourself and where they can find you? Oh, I thought you were going to say it's my first time at Fight Club, and so I have to fight. <laughs> <laughs> you can, uh, yeah, I'm an author. I've written a couple books. Um, the Octopus of Global Control. The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire, I wrote with Jeff Berwick, who now is starting to get some traction on HBO with the Anarchists, or the oh, Anarchist yeah. uh, series that's out. Um, and the third book is called Hypocrisy, Surviving in a World of Cultural Double Standards. So while I was writing these books, I would uh, go out and promote them on shows, and that turned into... After doing a bunch of interviews, it turned into me winding up doing my own show, Macroaggressions. So we've done that. That turned into uh, you know, a group podcast one day with Sam Tripoli and Midnight Mike and Ricky Verandas. And we had so much fun doing it that uh, we were talking about censorship. We said, well, we're like the union of the unwanted, you know? And we said, oh, it'd be a great name if we were in a band, you know? And um, we had so much fun doing that podcast that it wound up happening again and again and again. And the name stuck. So we are the four hosts hosts of the union of the unwanted nate you've been on there yeah we saw you on yeah. there a couple of weeks ago it was that was fun so um yeah that's what i do podcasts and um and writing and trying to stay stay sane i guess as best i can hell yeah man i don't know how you stay sane after you read that henry kissinger report good lord man just like the density and the fucking yeah just but also the crazy shit he was just putting out there yeah. that was that was an awesome episode man thanks I really enjoyed well, that it's funny when you read the documents that these guys write that they don't think anyone else will ever read where they're like, oh, nobody will hear this. Let me just type in all my insanity and like, this is how we're going to depopulate the third world. And then it gets declassified and someone reads it and they go, wait a second, you guys are all insane. You're trying yeah. to kill everybody. And it's like, well, that's, you know, America is a beacon for truth and freedom and democracy and all this stuff. It's like, yeah, but what about the memo where you wanted to kill everybody? Detail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's funny, too, because they still code it in that woo-woo language, too. Because, like, even, I mean, it was a different time. That was in the 1970s, and they had, like, the different, like, well, we want to do this. We want to get women into the workforce, and we want to have this, like, egalitarian, like, this sort of this sort of pay for everybody and this kind of bullshit. But really what they were saying is, like, uh, we want women out of the household. We don't want them raising their own kids. We want them to be tax cattle. And, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much it. no time for baby making. And they, they said they would also say, we, we, we love women. We want to educate them too. And it's like, oh, that because it's important to be educated. It's like, kind of, well, it turns out that in the document, it said, what is the amount of education we need to put into women to get them just educated enough so that they stop having a bunch of kids. And the determination was fourth grade. So they're up, they're open to educating people. They'll, they'll tout that we, we, you know, we want to educate these third world women as well. It's like, but only up to the fourth grade and then they're on their own, you know? So, and it's like, and it's not because education is great. It's because education allows you to not, feel the need to have all these, uh, you know, nine kids. This is the, the point at which you start to change your thinking and you say, well, maybe I'll have fewer kids because I'll have a few more options available to me. So even like when they do good things, it's 
never for the right reasons. Well, and I also, I was listening to that and I read it as like, this is an admission that our education is indoctrination. They're like, oh, yeah. we have these 40 years with them. So what can we teach them to make them make sure they're not going to have kids? You know? <laughs> for sure. Yeah. You, yeah. Because I mean, like the, the, you know, the, the nice people out there that don't know about what the government's up to, they go, isn't this great? They provide government schools and you, you don't even have to pay. I mean, yeah, your taxes and everything, but they've got schools. Like they want you to get educated and everything. And it's like, I, I hear you, but let me, <laughs> but what if the education system was, you know, secretly devised by the Rockefellers and Carnegie just to mimic the, the look of a factory so that we would get you, your kids prepared, not for life in the real world, but life in the factory we've got them all in straight rows uh just like the factory where they're going to be working at sewing machines the rest of their life we've got a bell that goes off to tell them when class is over or recess or school's over just like in the factory you got to ask for permission raise your hand can i use the bathroom just like the factory or prison you know or one prison. or the other yeah. <laughs> what's the difference and so you you start to have you you start to look at education you go this education concept not bad on, on it, on the surface, you know, everyone, you know, being educated is a good thing. But the problem is that these public schools that I like to make sure to describe as government schools, because I think it sounds extra bad when you call it government schools. These, these, these institutions aren't there to make you a, a, a fulfilled human being and educate you on all the important things that you need to know in life. No, because they don't teach us how to manage our money or how to deal with taxes or how to fix a car or anything like that. It, it's like, we just want to educate you just enough basically so that you're a fourth grade girl in Bangladesh. So just enough so that you're not a problem to us, but not yeah. too much so that you are one, you know? So, so that's, that's, that's the American education system. It's very devious. And of course we're getting what we we're getting what we pay for with it. It's, it's a mess. So. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I like you were talking about how schools are practically prisons too, and how they've actually built school to prison pipelines and different things, how they like brought in uh, like basically policemen and different things. Like I had a cop at my high school, uh, you know, things like that, but they will like penalize different things and try to get you in the system and try to get you into juvie. And so that you are just like steps away from going to prison as you get older. And like, and, you know, and they definitely go to specific neighborhoods and, you know, do this to specific types of folks and, you know, different things like that. And like, what is a better way of like having control over like, well, I don't know if you have control of them, but, you know, something like in the black neighborhoods, if you get these people to go to prison, A, I'm not a fan of democracy, but now they're not allowed to vote and they're never allowed to ha carry a gun legally so that if they have a gun, I can go in there and I can fucking bust them up and, you know, send them back to prison. So they can never have like a self-defense. They can never have their own like armed community, you know, their own, their, their own bullshit because now, and then maybe I can get these guys, you know, on the dole and maybe I can control them that way too. And just keep them into this fucking school system. And then, you know, back to prison. Back, back to Henry Kissinger again, because Henry Kissinger and Nixon came up with this plan. Nixon was was very he was deeply unpopular with uh, the the hippies, you know, and the and and the and the blacks, uh, the blacks, the blacks hate me, Henry. Um, that, well, I they heard stuff hate. about Nixon that he was drunk twenty four seven, <laughs> that he was just literally shit faced all the time. <laughs> you get high, you get nominated to the highest job in the office, and you're like, I don't have to do shit anymore. 
And just, I'm just every single day he ate. I've, I've read this in a book that every single day he ate pineapple and cottage cheese every day for lunch. That screams yeah. psychopath to me. Yeah, he's a serial killer for sure. <laughs> Same fucking. But they wanted that. They wanted. The, yeah. They wanted the demonization of the blacks with heroin and the whites with marijuana. They wanted to put him in jail, and then the, so those people could never vote again because they weren't going to vote for him. They were going to vote for his opponent, and so he's like, "Let's just put him in prison. Like, let's just ruin their lives, <laughs> so, so that I can become president, so I can eat pineapple and cottage cheese and drink vodka martinis all night all day long." That's. That's what we're dealing with. Like, why is our country so screwed up? Oh, I don't know. The president thinks like this, or the old president does. Well, and the funny part now is that we're still getting a fourth grade education. I mean, we learn a little bit new about technology that new nowadays, but we're just spending more time doing it. We're not we're not coming out of schools any more educated despite being in there for 12, 16, 18 years. Yeah. Now you've actually seen like our test scores just plummeting, dude. It's absolutely fucking crazy. Yeah. Well, the whole thing too is like I think I was one of the last generations. I was so immature and fucking ADHD in third grade. I got held back, but I think I was like the last generation after that because like what uh, George W. was like, no child left behind. And so what that essentially does is like. Well, this kid just like fucking masturbates and eats fucking like like <laughs> like paste all day, and he yeah. can't fucking read anything. And he's supposed to go to sixth grade next year. Well, we have to bump him up, you know. Like, what the actual fuck? Yeah, this is not a strategy if you are <laughs> trying to create a society of of well adjusted, educated, thoughtful people. It it's it's you know George Carlin should have written history books. He, I mean, I it would have been way better, more informed. I, I would have been, paid more attention in school. But, you know, he talks about this, you know, how you want, how they just, they want you just smart enough to work the machines, but just mm-hmm. dumb enough to not realize how badly you're, you're getting fucked. And that is, that is the perfect encapsulation of the American <laughs> education system because it's just smart enough for you to graduate and by graduate, I mean they're constantly lowering the standards and allowing you to graduate. With I think I saw read some article that was like twenty. I think it was like twenty seven percent of kids in this Baltimore school had a zero point zero GPA, and the median GPA was like one point four or something. It was like everyone in the school was dumb, and they were all graduating, and they were graduating yeah. these people. And the the valedictorian was someone with like a three or something. I mean, it was it was the just. The Dude, I would have killed it. Yeah. <laughs> I would have killed it with like a three point two. Well, they're not necessarily <laughs> dumb. They're just basically like there's no reason for them to do anything. I mean, especially if you don't see anything external to you, where it's like, oh, I can go out and get this job if I try really hard. That's not around you. Fuck yeah. it. Like, why yeah, dude. And, and I mean, there's no structure in the homes because we've destroyed their fucking families. So, like, yeah. like there's nobody, like, making them fucking lunch every day. There's nobody, like, made them fucking breakfast. Like, hey, get ready. Go get in the shower. Get dressed, you know. So, if they show up to school or if they don't show up to school, who gives a fuck? So, why would I do that? I can go, like, smoke a joint in the alley, you know, and just hang out with yeah. my buddies, you know. Like, who, who the fuck would say? Like, it, it's just, it's so, it's almost like a different country sometimes in, like, in the inner cities. It's, it's fucking wild, dude. Yeah, it's- it's sad. And I went to, I went to call, I went to USC, which is a great school, but it's right in the middle of South central Los Angeles. And in, in that area, I mean, you're right. It's a different world. We're in this campus. That's like, has the largest campus security police force 
in the country. And right outside of that, you, if you want to get into the, the harpies gang, you have to rape a USC girl <laughs> to get in. So it's like, okay, Jesus Christ. I'm living in some sort of weird reality where everything inside this square block called the, the campus is safe and normal and, and nice and education and all these things are priorities and all the people are trying to better themselves. And if you go outside of that campus and you make a, a left where you should have made a right and you go down the wrong street, you will get everything that you have on you stolen from you at knife point yeah. immediately, <laughs> every time. <laughs> so That's I used to buy my bike back. I had a bike. Uh, I had a beach cruiser, a black beach cruiser. It had a Tony the Tiger circular sticker right on the front of it, you know, just so I, I could tell my bike as opposed to somebody else's. And I bought that bike back from this house that was like <laughs> off campus and up a block where there's like a thousand bikes in there. And you'd come out of your class, you'd come out of your econ class, you'd go, God damn it, your bike would be gone. You knew exactly what that meant. So you'd maybe you had another class, you'd walk to that class. And when you're done, you'd like, and you're walking back to your off campus apartment, you'd go, I got to go to the house and buy my, my bike. bike. They're like, Oh, you want to buy a bike? <laughs> I'm like, I want to buy mine. That one. They're like this one. I'm like, no, my bike, that one right there with the Tony, the tiger sticker. That's the one I want to buy my bike back. They're like 20 bucks. I'm like, all right, I'll take it. So we just went through that routine. That was the game you play. So if I put on my psychopath hat, that's a really good system because it keeps everyone on the campus where they're not getting outside information. I control it all. That's like you can completely indoctrinate you exactly how I want to. There's no one to give you counter thoughts. No, no, that was uh, that was that was a different time too. That was back before the safe spaces, and and back before you could have a problem with your teacher and go to the the dean of the students and say i read an icky word in a textbook that they want me to read and so i want that teacher fired and they go and now they'll just go okay we just point to the teacher we'll execute him at the town uh, the town square if you like uh for crimes against human thought crimes for having you read a, a word it's a weird, weird time it is a weird time man and it almost seems it's so funny dude it's it almost seems like they're they're tearing down the fabric of society on purpose and it's, it's just fucking fascinating man because I, I honestly i try to think of like what is their you know like what's their game plan what is the game plan so they get us to fight with each other they get us to have like civil war 2.0 uh they so we fight each other instead of looking at them or i mean but everyone is looking at them at this point because we're all getting hungry we're all getting desperate nobody wants to eat the bugs like what's their plan is that when they bust out the sound cannons like is this uh <laughs> probably <laughs> yeah i just like they want us angry because they know how to control us better you know we're easier to like manipulate and control when we're upset and angry yeah i, I think don't know. i think there i think there is probably something to that like if you're as they say the the state has the monopoly on violence so if you want to if you want to fight the state and you bring violence to them to fight them they know exactly how to deal with that. They know how yeah. to put you in prison. They know how to hit you with weapons. They're armed. You're not allowed to be. Um, they have all the tools at their disposal to do that, to get you mad and in a fight with them and getting violent against them so that they can then use the tools that they have to take care of that. What they don't want is everybody real quiet, talking, you know, whispering to each other and looking at them. They don't want that. That reminds me again, back to 
God, it's, I feel like there's the Henry Kissinger um, uh, um, theme. All running. roads back lead to fucking Henry Kissinger. Lead back to, to, to <laughs> he, he's in. There's this story that Chris Hedges, uh, Pulitzer Prize winning author Chris Hedges, tells about Henry Kissinger and Nixon in the White House, and there's some uh, there's some sort of societal breakdown that's happening there's there's a there's protests happening all around the white house and he has ordered the buses to be put back end and in like to make like a big wall around the white house which already has a wall and so he's got all these buses but he's in the white house kissinger and nixon and and he's and he's in and kiss and uh, nixon's rubbing his hands going Henry, Henry, they're going to climb over the walls and they're going to get us. Henry, they're going to get us and they're going to drag us out. Henry, they're going to get us. And Chris Hedges says that feeling right there, that that that's where you want them at all times. That's where you want all politicians to be mentally at all times. You want them to recognize the fact that they're all going to come over the walls and get us. You know, yeah. he said, if you've got that, if you've got them feeling that way, then there's a there's a checks and balance in, in, involved in this. If you get what we have now or what we've had for a long time, the government doesn't fear the people. They don't fear them at all. You can tell by the way they treat them. They don't treat the people like they're fearful of them. They see these protests. You know, that's why everyone's like, oh, you you know, a million people and, you know, walk right by the BBC office and BBC doesn't put it on TV. Yeah. They don't want to give anybody any ideas. They want to pretend like none of that stuff's happening in the Netherlands or in France or wherever, Sri Lanka, any of these riots. They just don't want to show that because they don't want the people to think, oh, that's a good idea. We should be doing yeah. that. Too. Yeah. I forgot that that was an option. So they'll they'll spend a ton of energy to make sure that you don't think that that's ever an option for, for the people. But, but yeah. it is. You kind of need to be there. You need them to feel like there are repercussions. I mean, do you think Nancy Pelosi feels like there's any repercussions for her actions at all? I don't even think she thinks anymore, dude. She's a fucking overcooked biscuit. She's out of it. Uh, speaking of Nancy Pelosi, dude, have you seen that photo of her back in the day with uh, with JFK? Yeah. She was pretty cute. He probably hit that. Oh, he 100% did. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, he's a dog. Uh, but yeah, no, absolutely not. I don't think they think they have any repercussions at all. I'm, I've heard, I don't even remember who was talking about this, but they were trying to say the only way that we could make democracy work and like have this, like, uh, this type of system that we have, like, I guess, representative democracy or whatever you want to call it, um, is if when they went in to, uh, to vote for things, we knew exactly what was on the agenda, what they were voting for. And, it was like a group of people were surrounding them, pointing AR-15s <laughs> directly at them as they were putting in their votes. Yeah, oh, it's so ridiculous like that. Yeah, they, they 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 don't even read the bills. No, not at all, dude. It's oh, well, of course, we don't know what's in it. It's all the lobbyists, man. And where do those lobbyists? Those are from corporations. Those corporations are like led uh, by the nose by the banks, and yeah, it's fucking wild, dude. And we just have these circus clowns that like we laugh at, like AOC and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and all these idiots, and we're like, and we just point fingers at him and Matt Gates and whatever he's doing, and like it, it's a it's a fucking circus show for us to be entertained by and to get mad at each other. It's it's fucking sports for ugly, stupid people. 
Yes, it is. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired <laughs> of it. Yeah. And the, the new Nancy Pelosi story is that she's currently, I guess, as we speak on a, on a plane flying to Is Taiwan. she going to Taiwan? Is she really going? That's fucking, that's they're, funny. Cracking her plane right now. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. That's wild. That China's funny. tracking it too. They're fucking, yeah. it's going to go, it's going to sink like, in the middle up. of the water. Like, Promise? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh no! Shit. Whatever yeah. you do, don't blow up the plane. Tail number X Y one two three. Uh, left uh, San Francisco at four eighteen. She's near the rear. Uh, she's in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, dude. We're, we're, we're in a weird. We're in a weird situation where, like, you know, we've got segment of the population that sees all of this stuff, and then another segment of the population that's taking up space right by us that can look at all of this and not see it. You know, like those paintings that are all dots and then you like stand there and squint your eyes and then you're like an elephant. And you and can't you see unsee elephant, it. And then you can always see the elephant and you can almost never unsee the elephant. They're looking at the painting and all they see is dots. They don't understand any of this. And so it, you're going, not just, it's, it's right there at the elephant. And they're like, I don't see it. <laughs> So it's tough. It's, it's tough to like, stare. Yeah, it's tough to explain the beauty of this elephant that you see when these people are just like, I don't not only do I not see the elephant, I don't believe you. I think you're messing with me. I think you're lying you're to crazy. me. I think you're telling me there's an elephant because you like Trump. And you're like, well, uh, <laughs> I went to school and I was told that there's no elephants. It's not a thing. I, yeah, I, well, yeah. The fact like, you said there's no elephant, so there's no elephant. Uh, well, that's the thing though. Like if you believe the people it's not necessarily they believe the story that's coming from authority. They just believe that authority itself is the thought, like a source of truth. So after that, it doesn't matter what they say. Yeah. It's, that conclusion. Tony, it's really true. It's, it's the relationship that the people have to authority. And, and that is a lot of this, you know, I'm a good person. I don't want innocent people to be hurt, but I do have a problem with, I have a problem with authority when it's, like misguided or it's coming from somebody that I don't respect or, or it makes no sense. Then I have a problem with authority. I don't have a problem with rules, like rules that are like everybody that wants to go this direction, drive on this side of the road. Everybody wants to go that direction, drive on that side. I'm fine with rules. I'm not saying, you know, yes, I've been speaking at anarchist conventions and yes, I wrote a book with a guy that started the anarchist convention, but I'm not saying that I don't believe in like there being some sort of, logic and flow to this but the people but i i don't do what i'm told simply because of authority and i think a lot of people do and not only that i think a lot of people want to be the best at complying i'll show you you want me to wear a mask i'll wear three masks i'll wear a mask so in fact i'll i'll wear a mask and i'll shame everybody around me that's how committed to uh, upholding this end of authority i am and so you see these people they're like sh like the you know, the kids that because ask, I believe in science. You believe in science teacher. You forgot to assign homework. Those are the people. It's those people that you hate that, that are, that are pushing like, you know, masks. Why aren't we wearing masks more? And why aren't we doing this? And you're like, I like I, the relationship you have with authority, I think has a lot to do with whether or not you figure this stuff out. Because if you, if you just blindly are obedient, just because you're told what to do and you just have always done what you're told, you're going to find yourself in a, I think you're going to find yourself in a bad spot, but those that are, are saying, okay, I might do what you're, what you want me to do, but 
but I'm going to need to understand the thought process behind this because it currently doesn't make any sense. You're telling me that you're going to load me up into a boxcar for me to be resettled in the East. I don't want to be resettled in the East. You know, I, maybe I'm not going to get on this boxcar and they're like, oh, it's for your safety. And you're like, explain to me how it's for my safety. A lot of people would just go. I, I got to, I have to argue <laughs> with the person. I have to understand it, you know? And so, and I think a lot of us are like that. We're not just going to take somebody's word for it just because they say it. We're going to examine this. And I think a lot of people think, oh, you guys are conspiracy theorists. You'll believe anything you're told. Actually, it's quite the opposite. We're super skeptical about all that stuff. We're skeptical about everything. The official story, the, the, the potential uh, conspiratorial angles to it. We're suspicious of everything. We, we only get on board with stuff when we've checked it out and it makes sense and then it's logical and we can kind of back it up. But, but for those that, uh, you know, for, for those people that have just have grown up being totally obedient workers, as Carlin says, they're, they're never going to ask the questions. And so therefore they're, they're never going to figure out the scam. So, so it's frustrating to, 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 to be, you know, to be living in this world and seeing everything so clearly, like I'm not, and I'm not trying to say we have it all figured out, but, but we can see the scams they're everywhere and they're blatant, but there's other people that can look right at them and they just, they just, their brain will not allow them to see that. And it's but weird. The box cars are safe and effective. <laughs> But if you tell them that, if you tell them it's whatever it is is safe and effective, and you tell it them long enough, and maybe you've got a white lab coat on and, and a clipboard, and you look like you're from, coming from a position of authority, that's good enough for a lot of people. Good enough. They're like, okay, you got me. That's fine. I'll, I'll do what you say. You you look the part. And what do I know? I'm not a doctor. You look like a doctor. You're telling me it's safe and effective. How would I? Why would I challenge you? I'm not a doctor. You are. You should know more than me. Theoretically, they're right. But the problem is that, like, you can't just take their word for it. Because Remember those ads on TV when people would be like, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. That is the power that the health industry has over us. Where it's just, you don't have to be a doctor. Like, just like, I play a doctor on a soap opera. That conveys some kind of authority. It's 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 as it's as much authority as somebody like Anthony Fauci should have, you know. Essentially, this is something that they, yeah, hundred percent. And this is exactly like uh, when you were talking about like wearing a white lab coat and that being all it takes to convince you. It, it made me think of Edward Bernays and him doing that, like on the Tonight Show, I think it was back in the day, and him just explaining to the audience, he goes like. I'm wearing this coat. This conveys authority. This is why you're going to believe me. This is, you know, this, it's really fucking, and it's all marketing and it's all just like fucking with your head and they know how to fuck with your head. They've yeah. been doing this for a long ass time. Yeah. Yeah. You have to sort of like, there's gotta be like some part of you that appreciates the audacity of their scam too. You're like, wow, that's all it takes. Yeah, it's pretty good, dude. I mean, I always root for like the grifter, like on a you know, on a TV show or in a movie. I'm like, man, that was fucking good. And they're scamming us, dude. Yeah. They're scamming us. And and it's it look, this is how I got into this whole line of whatever from doing real estate and which I still do, but but to to getting involved in this is is going through the big crash, the big real estate crash in 2008, 9 and all that and working in real estate in Las Vegas and 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 being a part of this whole thing and still I couldn't see what was really going on. And after that, 
And I got hammered just like everybody else did. Lost, I had two houses, lost both of those houses. Things, you know, it, just, it was all bad. But I just decided, okay, there's there's clearly a game going on. It's that it's three card Monty. I I'm not playing anymore, but I just want you guys to explain to me how it all works. You know, I like I just want to go around the other side of the table and say, all right, show me how the scam works. I'm not playing it. I know it's a scam. I I get it. I'm not going to participate. So I'm you're not I, I'm you're never going to be able to get me again. But explain to me where does the ball go when you're moving all this all around? You know who who's the guy that comes in and pretends that he's he's going to you know he's going to show you how he bets twenty bucks and he wins real easily. Like you know I want to understand banking. I want to understand the mortgage scams. I wanted to understand uh, the Federal Reserve. I wanted to understand how money was created because I was thinking if I understand this, then there's a, a there's a smaller chance that I'll get caught the next time around if I understand these scams. So, so that's really where my uh, and I knew nine eleven was was nonsense before that, and and I had 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 a pretty you know I had a, I was interested in the topics, but I didn't really go. And jump all the way in the rabbit hole until after that crash. When I when I saw what happened, that when I paid a huge price for not understanding the game, and I didn't want to pay that price again. I didn't want to feel dumb. I didn't want to lose out. I didn't want to be the sucker. I wanted to understand it. And so I was I was tr- just trying to understand how all this stuff works. And if you when you figure out money, or when you try to figure out money, and you it, lead you down the federal reserve path and you go wait what are central banks and how does this work and what is uh fiat currency and 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 how does this work and you start to you realize okay i i can i can remove myself from a future vegas real estate bust right because i know this but as long as i'm using u.s federal reserve note dollar bills I'm always going to be part of a, another scam, a much bigger yeah. scam. And, and that, that really got me thinking about the finance part. And, and that led me down, you know, just endless rabbit holes. Charlie, what's your opinion on that? So like what I've heard, like, I guess the traditional story about the 2008 crash was that George W. Bush wanted to incentivize like, um, like poor and black and Mexican, you know, folks to be able to buy houses. Right. So he told the banks like, hey, let's lower the regulation on uh, how much, you know, like what they need to fucking get one of these loans. Right. And so let's just kind of let's kind of give them a loan. Right. And so is that do you think was there something more to that or was that like really what happened? Like, like, what do you think that like, do you think do you think that he this was an altruistic thing and he wanted like blacks and Mexicans to buy houses? Or was he just was this another attack on like black and Mexican communities to fuck them over more? Like, I'm I'm curious about there. Was this a oops or was this a a stab? (laughs) No, it, well, it, regardless of whether he wanted this to happen or not, yeah, they they did the things that would make it happen by, by lowering the deposit amounts, by changing the, you know, allowing, first of all, Clinton started this whole thing by, by turning these banks into casinos by repealing Glass-Steagall. That that opened up a, a lot of problems. Then we started to see interest rates drop really low. And when interest rates started to drop really low, then all of a sudden people could afford to buy homes. They they juiced the market by introducing all these exotic loan programs, like no documentation, no doc loans, and uh, ninja loans, no uh, no income, no assets, no job needed. You know, just, just 
you you could basically the, the nickname for them was uh, liar loans. You could just say I make two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, and they say, well, you know, can you show it? And and you go, I make two hundred and fifty thousand a year. I don't want to show it. And they go, okay, well, we can't give you the traditional loan at. 5% interest rate because you're not showing us anything. But we've got this other loan, which is basically, we just look the other way and that's 7% interest rate. You got to put 20% down. They go, fine, I'll put 20% down at 7% interest rate, but I'm not showing you anything. I'm not showing you yeah. any of my finances or anything like that. So the, those loans theoretically would blow up. Now, the the thing is, I would I worked in new home sales. I worked for big builders, big multi, you know, in, publicly traded companies and we would have a mortgage division. And so the mortgage division, we would say, well, you, I'm going to send you this guy, uh, you know, they fill out the application would send the application over and then they would get qualified and they'd get approved. You know, yeah, we can approve this guy for up to this amount of money. And then you would say, yeah, but you know, you talk to the, your, your loan officer, who was your buddy that, you know, cause you're working with them on all these deals every day. And you're like, this guy's finances are a mess. And they would say, well, look, he's got the right debt to income ratio just barely. And his credit score qualifies just barely. And it doesn't matter. They'd say to us, doesn't matter. We don't give a shit. We're not going to, we're going to, the day this guy closes on this loan, the following day, we're going to sell it off to Wall Street. It'll be bundled into a mortgage-backed security where instead of these big fluctuations of, of this one mortgage may bust. And if I'm holding on to this guy's mortgage and as a form of, uh, of an equity, uh, it, what if it blows up? Well, if you put a thousand of them together, it, it, it kind of smooths that whole thing out from the percentages. You go, yeah, some of these are going to blow up, but not enough. So part of it had to do with the mortgage-backed securities. Part of it had to do with the credit rating agencies that were rating these mortgage-backed securities as AAA, even though they were totally junk. You had no, you had no idea how many time bombs you had in there. Now, they were basing this off of like, well, in the old days, we'd put all these loans together and they'll be fine. But, but, but what they didn't take into account, or maybe they did and didn't care, was the fact that we weren't talking about the old days with old loans. 20% down 15 year or 30 year fixed. We're talking about 2% down five year adjustable rates that adjust to whatever, which is a time bomb. It's going to blow this guy's, this guy's payment's going to go from 2000 to $6,000 once he, once the yeah, rate. Adjusts. Those were the balloon mortgages, right? It was, it, it wasn't even the balloon payments. It was the, it was the adjustable because what it would say is mm -hmm. year by year, it can adjust. It'll adjust to LIBOR plus three, uh, London inter-office banking, uh, interbanking office, uh, uh, rate, you know, the, the, the rate that banks change. So whatever that rate is, that might be 3%, uh, or it might be 4%. So this, this is LIBOR plus three. So this guy's got a great rate. He's in for year one at 4%. It, the, the payments work, everything's good. We get to year two, it jumps to LIBOR plus three. So you go, okay, so your 4% interest rate now went to 7%. And if you miss, if you fall behind on one payment, we're going to start for a closure process. And that was happening. Now, as that happens, the the market starts to take a turn because um, you know it just we got to a part where there was there were no more buyers. There were just no more buyers that were willing to pay. The prices had gone up. Um, interest rates were starting to creep up, and then it started to go over the other side of the cliff. And then that starts a snowball effect. Next thing you know, everybody's getting wiped out. People are losing their houses. 
then the construction industry shuts down because nobody's building anymore. And then anyone that worked in construction, they lose their job. Now they, now they can't pay their house. And that starts like a cascading effect. So next thing you know, there's, you know, 70,000 foreclosures getting dumped on the market all at once in one, in one you know, fairly mid-sized town. It forces prices down and, it, and, and then guess who came in? Because I got the calls. Hey, so-and-so here, I'm at over at Goldman Sachs. We've got a fund. We're looking for, we're looking for stuff. What have you got? And it's like, I got nothing, man. You need to call the foreclosure guys. They're the ones that have everything. And then you'd talk to the foreclosure guys and I'd say, hey, I hear that the Goldman Sachs vulture fund guys are out there. He'd say, yeah, man, they just picked up 175 of my houses. They didn't even ask me anything. They just looked at the spreadsheet. What do you have? So see, this is where I start to ask, like, do you think some of this shit was on purpose? Because I think yeah, they they disrupt, yeah, the market so much so and yeah. drive, yeah, absolutely. And then buy up all those fucking houses. Because I mean, if you look at some of the things that the World Economic Forum talks about and some of these sick fucks talk about, they don't want us to own houses. They want right. they want to own and control everything and they want to rent it out to us. So the difference between those those two scenarios now is that back then, and I'm talking 2010, uh, 2010, 2011, right? Prices had been down for a couple of years, and um, and then here comes the banks, and they're in there, and they're looking to buy up everything. They bought them, and their intention, and and, and not just their intention, but what they did was they bought them thousand at a time, put renters in there kept them for a couple of years, waited for the market to get back up and then started selling them off. This time around with the crash, the you'll own nothing, BlackRock managing the Fed's money, uh, Klaus Schwab saying, you know, you, you, yeah, you don't really need to live in a house. You don't, you know, this time around, we'll have our real estate crash coming next year that'll last for a couple of years, wipe everything out price-wise. Then the vulture funds that come in will buy up everything, thousands at a time, just like they did before, stick renters in them. This time they'll never sell. That's what I think will happen. They'll, they'll hold them. That, 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 there, won't, there won't be a let's sell it 10 years from now when the price is much higher as an exit strategy. The exit strategy is you'll own nothing because we own it and we're never selling them again. So. That's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So do you think that houses are going to be a hell of a lot harder to come by? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at my house now and I like it. Is this the time to sell and buy something that I really want to hold on to? Or like, I don't know, man. Oh, I mean, I look, so what I do is I'm a broker. We run a company in Las Vegas. We do, my business partners were the husband and wife team behind Flipper Vegas. So really what we do is we buy houses, pick them up and resell them. So that's what we've been, been doing for a long, long time. It's hard to find houses now. It's hard to find good ones, but in the future, and it's difficult to really think like 30 years out, but if 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 the plan takes hold, the, the you'll own nothing, build back better plan really does take hold, then, then what you'll see is um, fewer houses being built, fewer houses being on the market, coming available for sale. That's a big, you know, obviously, whatever you've got, you're in. You might have interest rates super high and that'll prevent people from buying. But if you've got a house now, this is the difference between what you were saying. Like if I, you know, do I sell something that I've got? It depends on what your interest rate is. Cause if you got a, if you bought a house a couple of years ago and you're in it, it, it 3% interest rate, which is phenomenal. And now the 2.75 right now, dude. Locked. What, 2.75 locked. 
Oh, <laughs> I should okay. probably stay. So, so stay because the trade-off will be you'll have to sell that house, you'll lose that loan, you'll have to pick up a new loan at six percent. So even there, you've just you've just increased your payments. You better really, really love the new house that you've got. But yeah. even then, I would uh, I would uh, I would hang tight. Yeah, that's probably smart. It's just I I love Oregon. It's fucking beautiful here, but Oregon has some real shitty government. I know, and uh, <laughs> and we just do absolutely anything California or Washington does like our piece of shit governor just watches them and like copies their homework. They're like, Oh, we're doing masks now. Okay. Oh, we're doing lockdowns now. Okay. You know, it's really yeah. fucking, it, there's a lot of comedy that, bullshit out you know, here. The mask she had with the reindeers on it. You remember that? Was that Kate Brown? <laughs> Yeah, I think she's so. such a bitch. Out of her mind. <laughs> so where's the white pill, man? Like, what is there any way to disrupt this system, or are we just fucked? Oh, oh, for sure, for sure. No, look, I would say this, uh, and I don't want to. We talk about, you know, we talk about all this crazy stuff and the, the bad things yeah. on the horizon, but let's talk about some good news. When you're when you have to give Krispy Kreme donuts out to incentivize people to take the vaccine that is most definitely not plan a okay we have we have screwed them up to the point where they are forced to resort to ridiculous things and i put i, I mentioned this when it, with the covid situation specifically because i think that they believed they were going to scare enough people there was going to be enough dead people like bodies on the streets that everybody was going to line up to get that vaccine. They were going to, there was going to be riots because people wanted to be front of the line for the vaccine that didn't happen. So they had to then get like the, the imaginary meeting that I, I, I fantasized that they had in my head uh, I, because I feel like they all went into some big meeting and then came out and during that meeting, someone said, I don't give a fuck if you have to give away lottery tickets. Just get these people injected. You know, because after that, all these different state governors were like, we're introducing a lottery system for our vaccines. And, you know, take, take the, get the vaccine. We'll enter you in for the lottery. It's like, are you kidding me? Is this for real? You really want you, you want to get you're going to give me two laps around Talladega Speedway if I get injected. And, and this is about science. This feels like coercion to me. This feels like insanity to me. This feels the best like one was Las Vegas, man. You heard about those ones, right? Yeah, dude, those ones made me laugh so fucking hard because they had to get they had to find a way to get the, the like the scummy dirt bags, like the dudes yeah. are just like I'm not getting a fucking vaccine. Fuck you, you know. I'm I'm drinking there. fucking vodka at eight a.m. sitting in the that casino. Like that guy's immune to it. That guy's oh, yeah. not going to get COVID. That guy's fine. That guy's pickled, dude. He's fine. Yeah. Guy, we should be sampling his blood. <laughs> See what's going. Like apparently the vaccine for COVID is drinking vodka at 7:30 a.m. <laughs> that guy has 20 shots in him by now, and he's dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so, dude, yeah. How many times did he just change his name and like, I'll get another shot? Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> there were a lot of those people. There were some people. I, there's some guy I saw that was like uh, selling vaccination cards. He's like, oh yeah, I man, I've got like 30 vaccines. I just sell the cards. And I'm like, oh, you're definitely gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, God bless him though. I mean, capitalism finds a way. You know, how much <laughs> is he selling them? He's for? gonna take one for the team. Yeah, it's not selling them for enough but um yeah. no, definitely not no 
Uh, that guy had a short-term plan. I don't think he had much of a long-term plan. But look, I think that there's a lot to be optimistic about. Even though the, these maniacs are out here talking about you'll eat the bugs and you'll own nothing and like it, there's no appetite for that. And they're getting mocked relentlessly. I think that they didn't expect, ex uh, expect the general public to wake up and be so, you know, so uh, disgusted with this plan. Now, I understand that there's a huge percentage of the population that will never figure it out. They're just they're just not going to. But but the alternative media and the fact that Klaus Schwab has turned into a, a cartoon character supervillain that everyone's mocking and posting pictures of guys that may or may not be him in white lingerie thongs on the beach. You know, you've probably seen the picture. Um, all this stuff is like, this is a great sign. This is a great sign. This is that the wheels are falling off that, that the fear isn't there. They expected people to, uh, be, you know, very subservient. We're not, they expected people to, uh, stay in their homes. They did not. They expect people to wear the mask. People fought back. They, they, they're, what I mean, they're just recently in LA, they had to walk back the mask mandate because so many different counties and like different areas were just like, no, you guys can go fuck yourselves. We're, we're not, not going to do it. Not doing it. And so they had to like, they either had to be like, they had to try to enforce it and just show how like, how, how they couldn't fucking enforce it or they had to fucking like just save face and walk it back. And yeah. that's, that's what they chose to do. Yeah. Great sign. It, it shows yeah. that if you, if you stand even in up, LA, in yeah, fucking in, LA, in, in LA, in LA of all places, a place that let's be honest, they've been very complacent. They've, they've, they've done whatever the, you know, uh, George Gascon, the woke district attorney weirdo told them to do when, when he said, Oh, we're going to, you know, get rid of the police and we're going to, but we're, we're going to have enough police with bulldozers to fill in skate parks with sand so that you can't go there and do all that stuff. You know, it's backfired on them. I think people have taken a look and they've said that the, the insane regulations and restrictions don't match. They're, they're disproportionate to the amount of uh, fear or, or, or danger that we're actually in. You guys, this seems like an agenda. And it, of course, because it is. And we're not going to participate in it. And it doesn't take, you know, there's this, there's this, I think, mathematical misconception that it takes 51% of the population to change things. And it's not the case. The stats say that it only takes 3% of people to say, we're done. We're not complying. We refuse to go along with this. And that has a, a contagion effect where it, it then empowers another segment of people that feel like, oh, you're telling me I don't have to wear the mask. You're, you're showing me in this grocery store that you're not wearing the mask. You're walking around like you don't have a care in the world. I don't want to wear my mask. I'll do that too. So that 3% influences another segment. And then next thing you know, things change. So we don't have to get 50% or 51% of the people on board. You just have to get enough of the right people that are very vocal, that refuse to comply, and it throws a monkey wrench in their plans. So so again, I think, I mean, let me ask you guys this. Do you feel, we all know about the 2030 deadline, Agenda 2030. They've set that, that benchmark. Doesn't it feel like they've maybe moved that time frame up and that they're rushing? Because it mm -hmm. seems like everything is sped up and kind of you ever watch the old Benny Hill show in the UK back, you know, they would, there's a part at the very end where he's, he's run Benny Hills, this old guy and he's running around and they've sped up the footage to it's like, 
one and a half times speed. And then they're playing that music in the back, like this frantic kind of music. I feel like that's the world economic forum. They're just, they're turned up to like 150% of their, of normal speed and they're just going really fast and they're trying to make all this stuff happen because there's some sort of deadline and it's just not working. I don't think you can do this quick. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with you, dude. I mean, I, I see them doing these dumb things where they're all trying to get together now and they're all trying to like, make sure that if something, if something happens again, that they can lock shit down again, if they need to. And like, they're trying to like cover all their, you know, cross their T's, dot their I's and things like that. But I, what I like to think at least is like, I think that all this shit is becoming really unpopular, even for the progressives. I think they're looking at this shit and going like, yeah, it really didn't really help much. People still died. I, I'm triple jabbed and my fucking partner just died from a heart attack or something. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're starting to be like, maybe, maybe this is all fucking bullshit, you know? And, and they're not willing to admit that. Yeah. But I think that they have like lost, they've definitely lost their like, uh, uh, what do you call that? Like they, they definitely lost their like moral anyways. superiority. Yeah. Moral <laughs> superiority. Exactly. They, they've lost that, uh, that whatever that is. And they just, they can't even fucking, they can't like, it's, I think the only people that I ever see, I'll never see anyone in real life say any of that shit. The only time I ever see that shit is online. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and I honestly, I don't even know if those are real people. Probably not. So many of those people, like if I go to my local news here, like Oregon, whatever, and they'll talk about, you know, something about a mass mandate. And then you'll just see these like short haired, crazy, weird ladies talking about like, well, we're doing this for safety. We're doing this for safety. And they all say the same shit. Those are fucking bots. This is just trying to reinforce the fucking narrative and different things like that. And um, I, like you said, it's like I, that's why I think that these sort of things are important. Us having these conversations with people and like having real people listen to this and go, oh, I'm not crazy. There's other people that think like me that agree with me. And the other thing is, man, I love meeting like I've met, I think, almost a dozen fans at this time at, at this point, like people that reach out to me, send me an email or something like that. Uh, I like to hang out with people in real life uh, yes. because that emboldens people too. And then also walking around, walking around and just being yourself, like walk it. Like I used to walk into, like when we did have the mask mandates, I would just walk into like Winco without my stupid fucking mask. And you'd see someone else look at me, make eye contact with me. And then they would just kind of stick their nose out. You know, it's, it's about like, you have to make it socially acceptable because People yeah. are sheep, people, but they're also, but there are some people that are just afraid, that are just afraid to like combat, you know, like what everybody else is saying. And so when you walk around and you are being bold and you are just like, no, I'm not, go- I'm not like conforming to your bullshit. Yeah. It empowers other people to go, oh, him too. Okay. I remember yeah. the first time I saw someone, cause like I wore my stupid fucking mask. I was like, okay, I'm wearing my fucking mask in the store. And I saw some other people without a mask on and I was just like, thanks. And I just ripped it off. I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> it's, it's important. To, I mean, it, it's, it's crazy that we have to think of like, you know, fight the power. Don't wear your mask. You yeah. know, that's like the thing, but, but, but in the heart of, of the COVID insanity, when the masks were out, being out in public and not having your mask on, was was this act of defiance that some people saw as heroic 
which is funny. Yeah. And other people saw it as you might as well have been waving a loaded gun the, the way they looked at you and uh, or not wearing pants or something. But because they were just like mortified, like, how dare you? And it's like, man, if we if you woke up some guy that went into a coma in 2019 and took him to the grocery store today, he'd be like, what the fuck is happening to this planet? What is did I wake up a million years from now? No, it's just been a couple of months. And in a couple of months, we've convinced the world that everybody's going to die from this. It's 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 the power of the media and I fear. Think- I think also, aside from speeding up their plan, they conceded a lot of territory. There's places where they just, this is not going to happen anymore. Not in all places. I think in a lot of cities, they're going to really concentrate on. But outside of that, I don't see it happening. But I got this question for you, and this might be a dumb question to anyone who knows anything about real estate. But is there a way for like a person who has a house to, to fuck with BlackRock, like drag him through some really costly procedure that's not too cost like it doesn't really cost too much on your end um uh, well it's blackrock isn't really going to be a problem for the for the for the average person in unless actually you'll never deal with blackrock okay the only time that you would deal with blackrock is if you fell behind on your payments and the bank foreclosed on your home then the blackrock would buy the home from the bank but as far as like going out and just buying a lot, like going up to, to people and buying them from BlackRock, I don't know that there's a ton of that happening right now. Um, they might have agents out there that are working on their behalf and maybe accumulating things, but I don't know that you would even know. I think it would probably be, it'll be some fund you'd be acquired by like uh Oregon Pacific Holdings LLC, and you'd and you'd go, who's that? And you go, it's just a, it's just a guy buying this house from you, um, putting it in his LLC and everything. And you go, okay. And then you find out that that LLC is fully controlled by BlackRock. So uh, it might not be like it's not going to be like, hi, this is Steve. He works at BlackRock. He wants to buy your house. It, it will never happen like that. But they'll but they would look at. <laughs> It spreadsheets and portfolios of homes and and build it out that way, especially if it's if it's from the banks, then they can just deal with the banks directly and, and, and so, gotcha. I've heard that BlackRock has basically stopped consolidating property at this point. They feel like they own enough now that they have enough sway that they can fuck with uh like property, you know, uh values and things like that. And I I felt them last year because like basically uh, one year ago today i bought this house and we would we were like on the market we were fucking hunting for houses and so a house would be like you know i don't know they'd be asking four hundred thousand, and so we we'd go down there and we'd offer 425 or something trying you know but it was so competitive that this house was getting sold for like 550 yeah you know that, and that probably is that that, that was probably <laughs> Yeah. That probably is, but through through a, a you know through several layers that that, that nobody's going to come right out and and say no and and let's let's be honest if you're a seller if you're a house seller and you need to sell your house you might not want to deal with BlackRock but but if someone's willing to pay five fifty for a house that you thought you're putting on the market for four hundred then you'd be crazy not to sell it to them you might have questions but you'd also you'd also really be cra- Your agent would be like, what are you doing? You ha- yeah. I mean, you've got an offer that's, you know, 40% higher than your asking price. Like you need to take that. 
I want to get paid a commission on a much higher price. You need to take that. I mean, uh, uh, or I mean, it's better for you. <laughs> you know, they would, that's how real estate agents work. I know I am one, but they, they, they would, they would, they would say, look, you've got a crazy offer on the table, take it. And, and you can do that if you're BlackRock, cause you got unlimited money. Cause the fed has put you in charge of, of, of using this money and putting this money to work and yeah, they're putting it to work, but, but they're not done buying. They will be buying in the next couple of years when prices get lower. Go That's down, when they're yeah. really going to be buying in bulk. That's when they're I think they're yeah, taking a pause right now. They're waiting. Yeah. yeah. They, they know things are at the top. They're going to wait for them <laughs> to go down. They know how this works. They're going to make it go down. Maybe, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. If they know also, if they know that because they're in bed with the federal reserve, which they are, they're literally partners with them on, on, on some of their projects. If they know the fed is, is going to raise interest rates, which they have been doing, and they just did yesterday, three quarter, two days ago, three quarters of a point. Then they know when you raise interest rates, fewer people are going to be able to afford these homes. When there's fewer people able to afford these homes, the demand will drop. So the price will drop. We'll wait for the price to drop. It's obviously going to drop because we know that our partner is going to raise rates, which is going to make force the market to do that. So if we know yeah. it's, not, it's not just inside information, it's a hundred percent guaranteed inside information. So they're just going to sit on, sit back. I mean, if you're BlackRock right now, you wouldn't be buying at this price. You'd, you'd wait, you'd get in, get in, jump back in in two years when prices are 40% less and pick up everything you want. And you won't even have to have uh, worry about uh, uh, competing with other, you know, outbidding people which they had been doing, but you wouldn't have to worry about that because there will be nobody with jobs or with uh, enough savings to compete against you. They'll be in a yeah. bad spot too. So, so it's all bad. I mean, if you look, if you have the opportunity, you know, if it's, if it's a case of like, you've got two offers on the table, they're ident identical. One of them is like a nice lady that, that lives in your community. And the other one is BlackRock, obviously don't sell it to BlackRock, but that wasn't how it was working. It was coming in so they were coming in so over the top that you just had had no choice. And and I don't even know that a lot of people ever even knew for certain that it was BlackRock because, like I said, you can you can create these LLCs that sound like gibberish and nobody knows what they are. And then you, with some digging, you realize, oh, it's con it's controlled by another company, and then that com company is controlled by BlackRock. So, yeah. Fuck. Don't sell the LLCs, I guess. <laughs> but even uh, then, though, you can get tricked because an LLC can just be a person that doesn't want to that doesn't want to have sort of personal liability for that house. And they've started, uh, you know, um, Bob Jenkins Trust, uh, Roman numeral four. It's this account wants to buy your thing. And you go, oh, it's just this guy's trust account. Well, fine. I'll sell to him. And then you, you, but you never really know. Yeah. It's shitty because huh. like, what's the end? Like, once they pretty much own everything, then like they're playing this game and they got the strategy that will win them that game. What then? <laughs> well, I mean, if well, it's, you can't, if they've got all the homes, then they can force you into the smart cities. You know, they can, they can say, well, we don't have homes available here. All we have is these, these, did you see that new advertisement for the, the Saudi Arabian line, that line of, that goes for like 140 kilometers. And oh my God, it's like, sorry, you don't have a, the option to buy a house. You have to go live in the line in Saudi Arabia. 
<laughs> what were those flying devices? Did you see those? Those were fucking fascinating. I don't know. I don't know what they were. That, I, I mean, mean it, like, I would like to visit and look, but I would not want to live there. So, Tony, do you know what we're talking about? No, I haven't seen the line yet. So they have this big, like, smart city that they're talking about that's just going to be basically a big straight line that's going to be as tall as, like, the uh, like the Empire Square building or something like that. Or, like, it's supposed to be insanely tall and, and not that wide. And so it's going to be designed smart city that's going to have all these little living pods. And everything that you need is going to be within a five-minute walk. So you'll never have to leave your neighborhood. They want you to stay exactly where you are. So every grocery store, the gym, anything that you need, where you work, what you do, everything was it was within five minute walking. And it's just this like bizarre dystopian nightmare that they are trying to paint as like it's going to be eco friendly. It's going to have zero carbon emission. It's going to have this, that and the other. It sounds awful. Yeah, they make it look cool. It looked cool. <laughs> it looks like, uh, you know, but 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 so, did, you know. I always describe the World Economic Forum's fourth industrial revolution when they're talking about all this stuff as like the glossy marketing campaign for global communism. You know, it it, it looks like the ideas that they're talking about are kind of make sense. And then you, but then you go, it would be much better if the worst people in the world weren't in charge of this program. Like, it'd be like, oh, the line, that's cool. How long is it going to be? Well, it's going to be 140 kilometers. Okay, and where is it going to be? Well, it's going to be right off. It's going to be right going through Saudi Arabia. No, thanks. I'm good. No, I don't want anything to do with Saudi Saudi Arabia. You say you're going to, you're going to build this place. You want me in a, a big long, like camp in Saudi Arabia? No, I'm not doing that. I did. This looks like, I, why do I get the feeling? It's going to look like the Gaza strip at some point. Well, I mean that uh, it's not even really Saudi Arabia at that point because Saudi Arabia is this culture based upon this geography that's this real place that's based upon these buildings that were developed over different periods of time and how people interacted in that reality. And this is just some building that they're putting somewhere on this planet. They're putting uh, it in the middle of a desert. There, yeah. they could be any desert, really. It just happens to be Saudi Arabia. So, like, it's going to be Saudi thing. Arabia fucked Black Mirror. Well, you can't, yeah. leave, you can't leave anywhere, just like your college. So basically, like, then you get to input all the information that goes in there. So you get to control those people 100%. So it becomes like a human ant farm. Well, they said you can it, leave. It looks like a fucking ant farm. It is. It yeah. looks like those like, tall, skinny. Yeah, Now 100%. you get to program people and a generation or two. Those people aren't going to be Saudi Arabian. They're going to be whatever the people who own the building want them to be. And then when Klaus Schwab grabs the ant farm and starts shaking it, then we're all fucked. 100%, man. Did you see that video? I think I, I saw it yesterday. It was It's a video with – I think it's recent. I think it could have been like a couple days ago. Donald Trump was at the World Economic Forum, and he's talking to Klaus Schwab. And he's like, Klaus is doing a great job here. Klaus is tremendous. And you're like yeah. – this is Republicans. This is your hero. This is your savior here. Like the, 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 he's the, vaccine, fucking... the vaccine salesman. And he thinks Klaus Schwab's doing a hell of a job. Brownie Brownie, you're doing a heck of a job. And you're like, you mean the guy running FEMA who just botched Katrina? You're saying he did a hell of a job. And then you've got Donald Trump saying to Klaus Schwab, who's trying to take over the world. Yeah, you're doing a hell of a job there, Brownie or Klaus or whoever yeah. you are. 
Well, don't worry. He's just saying that because actually he's working with white hats in the government with the secret military. <laughs> oh, yes. Trust I the plan. Trust the plan. How could just I forget? I almost forgot to trust the plan. Jesus. You know, I would have felt stupid. So I want to talk more about uh, the de- uh, depopulation agenda, man. Yeah. It's That's real. Shit. It's, I'll tell you what, man. This is this is one that I think it takes a lot of people some time to to wrap their head around because you don't want to think about it. You don't want to believe that. It it sounds. It, it, first of all, it sounds crazy. It sounds it sounds unbelievable. But even if it if even if you were to believe it, you don't want to believe it. You know, you don't like the idea of these people plotting to 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 murder billions of people. And 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 when you start to say that, people go, get out. That's stop. Like that sounds crazy. And it's like, look, I mean, I I usually start off by acknowledging it does sound crazy. I mean, t- killing billions of people is crazy. So of course it sounds crazy. But just because it sounds crazy doesn't mean it isn't true. And it's not even my opinion that it that it's true. It, I mean, you can hear it from opinion. the horse's but mouth. You can read the books. You can read their document. That Kissinger, like you know, the 123-page Kissinger memo. There's no ambiguity at all. They explain this is what we're doing, and then they even explain when we have countries that have problems with what we're doing, or 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 we have bad relationships with them, or they're just not interested. Then this is how we go around it and do it secretly. And this is who we talk to. And these are the people we give money to if we need to do this stuff secretly. And, and, and then there's notes in there. It says, look, we need to make sure that we allow, you know, if you're going into Bangladesh and you're putting in this depopulation agenda plan where you're, where you're offering birth control and really pushing that hard and trying to change the culture and get them to stop having nine kids and down to only two kids, it's very important that you let the ruler of the country take credit for it because we're going to look really bad if, if they know that we're the ones pushing it. So they even admit that in the document. We're going to look like colonizers. We're going to look like rich, white, wealthy <clears throat> countries that are coming for your ass, your resources, which they are, uh, and, and we don't want that. So we're going to need to make the presidents of the countries look like they're they're the ones leading this initiative and make sure to give them all the credit. Not because we're good guys and we want them to have all the credit, but because we can't take any of the credit anyway. So we might as well prop them up. And again, not my opinion, not my speculation. It's in the document. They lay it out there. They say, this is what we'll do. This is the this is how we do it. This is who you talk to. These are the organizations that we funnel money through when we need to get it somewhere but it can't come from us, meaning the United States, meaning USAID, United States uh, 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 International Development uh, Group. So, so it's the regime change op. So, so the depopulation agenda is very real, despite you know, like once you get someone off of like the initial shock of it, and you go, okay, are you over that? <clears throat> now you want to look into, you know, I don't have to speculate. We, we can, we can talk about all the ways in which they secretly want to do that. And it's fun to speculate and it's interesting. But, but aside from that, you just go, okay, let me show you the club of Rome, their books, limits to growth, where they say, mm-hmm. look, they say, we're going to use the threat of global warming, whether it's real or imagined for this purpose as the pretext to get people to change their ways of thinking so that they will accept a one world government. And then we'll create a carbon tax system off of that. And that will be the funding mechanism for the one world government. Again, not my words. It's in their book. They wrote it in 1972. So it, no, this Sam is Fabian's. 
So it's, it's this yeah. concept of, and people sit, they go, okay, well, why, why depopulate? Why, why do they do that? And it's okay. So let's, so it's like, all right, we'll work kind of backwards. They want a one world government that in which they are in control. If you've got a one world government where you have to, it's, I mean, it's hard enough to run America with 340 million people. Now you got to run a, run the world with 8 billion people. That's a lot to do. It works a lot easier if you don't have to manage 8 billion people, but instead you have to manage 1 billion people. It's just, just, just that's at its core. It's easier for them. They don't need all the, they, they consider a lot of them to be useless eaters. They don't think they're contributing much. In fact, not only are they not contributing much, they're actually a drain on society. So they go, mm -hmm. well, we can get rid of those people just by getting rid of them. Everything will get better. But then on top of that, they say, well, we want to get rid of this people and these people. And, th and then now there's robots. They're talking about, well, shit, I mean, half these people we could replace with robots. And now they want to say, maybe we can give a robot a citizenship like they did in Saudi Arabia with the Sophia yep. doll. And then that led to the little Sophia doll. And that's how you and I, <laughs> you said you're like, oh, the Epstein dolls, you know, the, you know, the, there's, 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 um, there's uh there's just so there's so much going on here right so 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 the 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 depopulation agenda runs parallel with this transhumanist agenda too and so you've got the transhumanist agenda on one side which is like we're going to blend man with machine so that there's no there's fewer men you know human beings and and maybe we'll make them you know, we blend them with machine. Now they're not technically humans. They're now they're genetically modified people. So now we can patent them and own them. That's a side yeah. benefit. Now slavery is legal again because you're not technically a real human. You're now part machine, and so you don't. You don't, dude. Me and Tony have definitely discussed that. You know, so you've got that, and then you've got a depopulation schedule going on at the same time, thinning out the herd, and that's what they want to do if they can get things down to. Uh, a reasonable amount of people, then they can, it's easier for them to put their plan in place. So, so again, crazy for sure. Not, not a, not a good plan, but also not a secret plan. It, it's in their, it's in their documents. It's in the, the papers they write. You've got guys writing books about uh, popular limits to growth by the club of Rome. You've got guys uh, uh, writing uh, population bomb. Uh, Paul Ehrlich writes that in 1977 talking about, uh, how to introduce, you know, he's saying we should put sterilants in the water and sterilize everybody and then hold lotteries to whoever wins the lotteries can then apply to have the antidote to be, to have the sterilization reverse. So that if they want to have kids, they'd have to enter the lottery and then we could have Goldman Sachs run the, the lottery and everything. And you're just like, are you? See, that's too direct. They've gotten smarter with their controls. Yeah. Which is really fascinating because, like, it is especially what Henry Kissinger was talking about was he was talking about like, uh, like the different ways that they would do it, and then he alludes to there might be other methods too that we might use, and then mm -hmm. dot dot dot, then right. nothing, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, he's like we have we might have to have the conversation about some of the difficult moral decisions that we'll have to make if these people are unwilling to voluntarily get on board with the sterilization program. And I'll leave it at that. And you're like, uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, man. moral dilemmas is first of all, it's gotta be a huge moral dilemma. If Henry Kissinger is having a moral dilemma about it, right? First, I mean, cause, cause that guy doesn't have a problem getting rid of everybody, but, but, but the, he's talking about like, if you read between the lines in that part, it's, you know, 
sterilize themselves voluntarily or willingly, or we'll fi find a way to sterilize them um, another way. And and yeah. that's, you know, so that's 50, almost 50 years ago that that document comes out. And one of the groups that they list as, as who you would use to partner with if you needed to secretly sterilize people, but not you know, if the country didn't have a good relationship with America or they were unwilling or to get on board with this program, then they said USAID can't be involved in that, but we can give our, we can give the money to these international organizations that could, they can do it covertly yeah. without anybody knowing. And one of those groups on that list was the world health organization. And isn't it funny that in 2014, the world health organization got busted putting sterilants in the tetanus vaccines in Kenya. Now they first denied it, but they eventually had to admit that they had been doing it they admitted to doing it and they admitted they'd been doing it for over a decade yeah so that is exactly what kissinger was talking about was it, bill, was it bill gates that was giving corn to mexico that was making the men sterile who i'm trying to remember exactly oh, who that was no maybe that was another one too that like all these men were like what the fuck's going on and like they they, so they were given a shit ton of like genetically modified corn that was making men sterile down there. Well, Mexico was one of the 13 countries yeah. on his list too. Yeah. yeah. And, so and I'm going to jump on a grenade right now, but like what I see as one of the big ones is tr this whole, like, what can you not talk about right now? Transphobia, this mm -hmm. whole transgender movement and them like sexualizing and like making kids like, too sex like i don't know what it is like sex conscious too soon and all this weird stuff and them trying to like bring about this normalcy and like this blending and this like um like the, the no like removing distinctions between the genders and things like that and just confusing the shit out of kids and then saying like hey maybe we should give you some puberty blockers even though we just found out like this was just released really like not that long ago that it like increases your rate of cancer and it does something else terrible like these so these puberty blockers are not they're not safe effective they're not they're and a lot of times they're not fucking reversible when they right. like they keep saying that uh oh it's just it's just blocking it for a little bit they can you can go off of it it's just fine they can go it's not and then after a while, then we can introduce the cross sex hormones and then, then we can just snip you all together. Mm -hmm. And I see that dude, it's 20, it's over 20% right now. So it's over one in five kids right now in this newest generation, this Gen Zoomer, this Gen Z, whatever it is that is, that is identifying that way. Can you think of a better fucking way than to let them neuter themselves? It's really devious. You don't want to neuter your kid. Guess what? We'll take them away and neuter them ourselves. We yeah. don't even have to ask your permission. You take them, you, you give them to our public schools and guess what? We can just give them cross sex hormones. It's, it, it is, it's so diabolical that it it's hidden in plain sight. You know, it's just, it's, it's hidden to, but because people don't want to acknowledge that this could be a real thing. Yeah. The, de, the depopulation agenda is not monolithic it, they're it, it they're hitting people from a variety of directions and one of yeah. them is most definitely that this transgender agenda like if you if like i you know and i don't care if, if people are gay or whatever it's it's none of yeah. my business and, it, and i grew up in palm springs california which is like one of the gayest places around so i grew up and it was relatively normalized and everything so but if you can promote that if you can really push out the gay um uh, 
agenda, especially the the more obscure components of it, the trans, the pansexuals, the cake gender, mentally ill people, all you know, all these people, you can get them all thinking this, then they're not going to reproduce. Um, not that those people would, you know, really produce the strongest offspring anyway, but, but they're not going to, they're not going to reproduce because it's just culturally not going to be a thing for them. You, you bring in the extinction rebellion, people talking about, we're all going to die from the climate. And like, really, should you be bringing children into this world when we're all obviously going to die from climate change? All this fear, all of this stuff, it, it builds, it, it's cumulative and it builds over time and it gets people thinking, the, the, the idea of having kids in the future just becomes foreign to them. And that's a form of depopulation as well. It takes longer. But and it gets to us too, because they try to scare us out of having kids because it like, look at the world today. Look at, look at all this crazy shit that's happening. You definitely shouldn't bring kids into this. And I'm like, yeah. you know what? This world is nuts, but my kid is going to be part of the solution. So I'm going to have as many as I can. <laughs> exactly. they, they want you, they want to uh, modify your behavior with through you know, viewing the world as a, as a lost cause and maybe even being confused about what gender you are and not knowing who, you know, um, normalizing uh, uh, p- piss orgies. You know what I mean? Like they're talking about now. They're like, well, they might have gotten the monkeypox at this at this piss orgy that was going on. And everyone's like, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> like, yeah, dude. Doing? I've got a lot of gay friends. They're dude, they get into some shit. Like I like my one of my my very best friend is gay, but my old coworker that was a great dude, the gayest of gays, he's awesome. Uh, but the stories he would tell me that him and his boyfriend would do would just literally, if they told this like to like a normal person, their hair would fall out. Yeah. <laughs> the things that they would do, and they would have these crazy tantric sex. Like they were just normal folks, you know. They and uh, but like they had so they lived in this apartment. I hope they don't hear this. I'm sorry. <laughs> so they lived in these apartments, and they lived upstairs, and they had some like real Christian conservatives downstairs, uh-huh. and so. And so they would just like load them up. They would like go to the bar, pick up like 12 dudes. And they had these fucking orgies dude up there. And they're just like, and then dude. And anyways, it was just so fucking terrible. (laughs) Neighbors are probably (laughs) institutionalized right now. Dude, they were holding a cross and rocking back and forth. forth. (laughs) Spirit, save me. They want, but they want to, to, to create scenarios in which, either you're you're unable or unwilling to reproduce now that had that had always been america's goal towards their their position towards the third world and they said in that kissinger document there's no reproductive program for america we're not involved in this our our reproductive rates are so low already that we're not even going to worry about it i think that that's changed though i think that maybe they've decided that they do want to put us on a program I mean, they're yeah. still targeting the yeah. third world, but also now they're they're going after the West, where they're they're trying to create scenarios where the West uh, depopulates itself uh, out. What are your thoughts on this? So I, there's a couple countries that aren't playing this shit. Like I think in Russia and in Hungary, like if you the more kids you have, the lower taxes you have to pay. Mm-hmm. And I think in Hungary, if you have four kids, you never have to pay income tax again. Really. 
I'm yeah, there's that. that's a, there's that's, some that's shit like that. Gonna, I was like, they're definitely going to get some democracy spread on them pretty soon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It was like because like I also I just heard of this other book. It's something like um, let me see here. Let me pull this fucking book up. I had it is called The End of the World is Just the Beginning: Mapping Out the Collapse of Globalization. Ooh. This this really interesting book. And let me see if I can pick up this dude's name. Um, See the guy who wrote this really smart dude, and he just he's just doing this through math. His name is Peter uh, Zihan. And anyways, basically what he's talking about is like he was talking about like just generationally. So like the boomers were like one of the biggest uh group of people that were born. So they have like the most numbers in this generation. Like, and so generation X was a little smaller, the millennials were smaller, the zoomers are even smaller. Like there's just smaller, like uh it's just a smaller population, right? And he's saying as these uh boomers are dying out, there's literally no one that is as educated as them as far as like technical knowledge to even fill in for them as far as like to keep this world going, like to keep mm. the fucking, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just to keep things up. Like right. it's, and he's talking about how we're literally going to watch the United States implode because we can't keep up with just, just to keep the fucking like wheel spinning and things like that. Wow. And this guy's just doing this with math. And he's like, we need to start fucking immediately. He says, <laughs> we need to start having kids like, absolutely insane and so like it almost seems like these people are shooting themselves in the foot and why in the fuck would they do that like i get that they want to like a smaller amount of people would be easier to control but i think that like we're definitely looking at like a, a situation where it's going to be like when the when fucking rome fell and people are looking at these aqueducts and going like wow those are cool looking i wish we had fresh water you know like <laughs> Yeah. You might be. Yeah. I, we need we're we're going to be in a we're going to be in a bind no matter what. Um they, these guys don't the World Economic Forum guys are so set on depopulation. And the and the Rock, Rockefeller clan as well. They really want depopulation, but I feel like they I feel like they have a a, a fantasy that it's just going to be less of the bad people that they don't like. And, and then all of the other stuff will be fine. Like, who do you think is going to be working on your private jet? If there's no people that know how to work on private jets, you're not going anywhere either. Then, you know, like this sounds shitty, dude, but can you imagine they like to live, to live the way we live? We absolutely need people in lower uh, like economic status than us. Cause who the fuck is going to make my McDouble? Right. Who's going to fucking, you know what I mean? And that sounds fucked up, but like in this weird world of like hierarchy and capitalism, we absolutely need that. If we want to continue like the life of luxury that we have, because I don't want to have to kill my own cow and grind it and do that. I mean, I do, but like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> These people don't. <laughs> I can say this that will make what you said not sound quite as harsh. And that is that there is, there's like a process where you do start at the bottom and then you, yeah. you are the guy that works at McDonald's, but then you, you do that long enough and you figure out your skills and then you move up a little bit and then you move up. So to keep that up, we got to keep fucking though. 
you got to have we, we got to have that young blood. You got to have some you got to have some people that are willing to work the fry machines or now yeah. of course there there there's going to be robots but 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 you can you can be in that lower tier that lower socioeconomic segment of society and and the, and the people that are there definitely have aspirations of getting up out of that and that that will fuel them to I mean if they if they yeah. have aspirations to get up out of it then they will do what they can to get up out of it. But as we also know, there's a segment of society that's never going to move. They're, they're, yeah. they're no in, they have no, in, no um, aptitude. They have no incentivization. They're not driven. They're not smart enough. There's, they're not educated enough. They're, they're going to be at the bottom rung and there's just nothing they can do about that. So, but, but that's just reality, unfortunately. And and they're going to try and depopulate as many people as they can, but they're going like you said, you're going to need people at every rung of society. They just want there to be fewer, <laughs> a lot fewer. Man, it's wild. Can you think of a better fucking depopulation like uh, like than what China did? No, they you know just, the, you you have if you have it's a one child policy. If you have two kids, that'll be frowned upon. If you have three kids, you will just you just I think you just. I think they just throw you off a cliff or something. Dude, but they're also, I mean, I, they're looking down the barrel of a gun at this point and they're like, oh, fuck. We really fucked up. You're going to crank baby machines again. Dude, I think this is the most funny thing that I'd ever heard from China is that they, because they they started like a ministry of manliness, if you'd heard that. So oh. they, so their young men were just a bunch of bitch pussies. And they're like, we need to fucking get these guys into, into shape. We need them to be like, man again and the other thing that i thought was hilarious is that they were looking over like at their neighbors and they were looking at uh k-pop as an existential crisis and they were like this is <laughs> this could kill us yeah, and so yeah, they were, like the feminization of men they were yes. like all those like lady boys there in k-pop you know they, they, <laughs> yeah. we got it we got to get rid of that because yeah didn't they ban that that yeah. that being in china because they didn't want to give the chinese any ideas of all these feminine looking You're like our Who's guys running are that? faggots that just eat soy all day. Like, <laughs> Who's running the Department of Manliness? I don't know. I don't he know. must be burly. Yao Ming, well, did they get in there? I don't know. I'm looking at what the average health official looks like, like the yeah. health side, and I'm like, <laughs> I want to see the person who's running the Department of Manliness. Yeah, Rachel Levine. Lamar from yeah. Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah. Great. We could have Rachel Levine be our fucking Ministry oh. of Manliness here. <laughs> Yeah, it, it could be that guy. Who's that guy? That YouTube star who's like women. Yeah. Uh, Eric, is he the one that visited the? Is he the one that visited the White House with the with his nails, or is that a different one? Oh no, I'm thinking yeah. of a diff okay. different guy. I was thinking of the guy that was like who's like a real toxic man, like the toxic masculinity guy, uh, who comes in and says a woman's place is to be making my breakfast and shining <laughs> my shoes and doing all this stuff. There's this guy that's like made this. He's been on your mom's house on their podcast, and he's he, he's like a he's he's serious about it. But um, oh, is he, is he serious about it? That's yeah, fantastic. He's serious about it. He's like going to teach you how to be a man and everything. But he's but he's so serious that he's uh, incidentally like accidentally hysterical. So I have to find his name, but he's one of these guys That's that like, if you find him on YouTube, you'll be like, oh, he's everywhere doing these like lectures on how to be a man. Yeah, we're I'm in trouble. shocked YouTube lets him on there. It, they have to like sell it as satire or else. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's pretty close to satire too. It's it's hard to tell. But isn't like life 
cl- hard to tell that it's if whether it's real or satire at this point. Dude, we're yeah, we're definitely living in fucking clown world. I think the funniest thing to me, well, I mean, this is one of the funny things is like, um, like what's her name? What's uh, what's weather potato? What's her name? Uh, <laughs> weather potato. Um, little girl from Sweden. Oh, Greta. Yeah, Greta. Yeah, Greta is pen pals with Ted Kaczynski. I think that's the what? funniest fucking thing in the world. <laughs> Oh my god! I feel like the simulation is cracking open. Oh, dude! Uh, Kim Kardashian is the spokesperson for uh, Impossible Meat too, and there's just all these just goofy things. I'm like, we're in hell now. This is the Gnostics were right. We're in a prison planet. <laughs> we're not in hell. Like we could, we can see it from where we yeah. are. It's, it's it's very close. It's it's a lot. It's a wild time to be, you know, to be fa- paying attention to this stuff. I, I, I feel sorry for the people that are asleep for a variety of reasons. But one reason is that they're missing the show. Yeah. The show is just c- the craziest thing I've ever seen. You know, what we're witnessing right now with like mostly peaceful protests, a guy on CNN saying mo- mostly peaceful protests with a, <laughs> a <laughs> fire behind fire. him. And you're watching this and you're just going, I couldn't be this funny if I tried. You know, comedy writers in Hollywood are going, I could never write this. This would never sell. And yet here we are seeing it in real life. And it's funnier than I could have ever possibly imagined. So there, I'm, 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 I'm simultaneously like frustrated by the state of the world. And at, and at the same time, I have to have a good laugh at how crazy it's gotten. So what are we in right now, Charlie? Is this a simulation? Are we, uh, are we on a, or is this a flat realm or are we living in a hollow donut? What, like, is this a, what are we in right now? <laughs> you know what, man? I've, t- Computer I've, algorithm. I've done some ayahuasca, you know, I've done the, 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 the stuff to see if I can get a different perspective on things. Man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what this is. I just, it, it feels from time to time, it feels fake, and sometimes it feels real. We are just electrical impulses, you know, in, in these meat suits. Yeah, hundred percent. It, it's 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 difficult to know. I mean, I I remember being in Mexico and and doing this ayahuasca ceremony and knowing before that, be, uh, before going, like hearing the Graham Hancock stories of it insane you know like we asked the shaman like there's 125,000 different types of trees and plants in the amazon how did you ever figure out that you take the root from this one and you take the leaves from this one and you mix them together and you brew it for three days and how would you ever know that and the shaman's response to graham was well the the jungle told us yeah and and while i was on that trip i was like i understand like that makes sense i know it's i know it doesn't make sense like to, to a sober mind, but in the, in the moment it made sense because I thought, well, how, who am I to say that, a tr- that the plants can't communicate with each other? In fact, there's plenty of uh, information that show that mushrooms talk to each other. And so if they're talking, I mean, just cause we don't understand it or see it or hear it doesn't mean it isn't happening. So I think there's a whole lot going on. We get very limited yeah. with what we can see with our eyes or hear with our ears, and we think that's reality. And if it's not that, then it's not reality. It's like, well, that's our reality. But there's there's a lot going on outside of that. We're practically blind uh, yeah. as far as what we can see on the on the on the spectrum of 
of, of, you know, so, so I think that we're working, we're trying to figure out what, what this is, but we don't have nearly enough information. We can't hear a lot of the things. We can't see a lot of things. We don't have access. You know, when you're on a D, when you're in a DMT trip, it's you're in it. It's as real as can be, but you can't access that in your no normal at your desk, at your office. You can't just go boom. I mean, you know, not without smoking it, but, but you can't just go there when you want to theoretically. And yet it's there. You have to have something that connects you to that. And so I'm, I'll tell you for every time I do have one of those experiences or go down that path, I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative of it, but I also come, I, I'm, I'm even more convinced that I don't know what's going on. There's just, it just shows me that there's even like, Oh, well you thought there were a lot of options or possibilities for what it could be. Take this DMT ride. And then I'm going to show you an infinite other a, a variety of other things that it could be too. And then you get done and you're like, I don't know what this is. Simulation. Maybe. Uh, or we're living on the, we're living in a, a, a you know, in, in, in a parallel reality. Time is a flat circle. Probably. Who knows? You know, the way our little minds have to organize things. So that it makes sense to us is, is probably not the way that reality really works. We just are like a receiver of all this information. And some of our receivers are work better than others. And some people's don't work at all. And, 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 and we're trying to make sense of something that is above our pay grade. It's just, I'm trying to enjoy the ride as much as I can. And I don't have any, I'm trying to figure it out too, but I don't have any unrealistic expectations that I'm going to go, Oh, I solved it. It's this, you know, I just, I, yeah. I'm interested in the trip. I'm interested in, in, in the, the, the mystery of it all. Uh, and I keep, and, and I, I, I'll tell you this, that there's a, my first book, the octopus where I have all these quotes in it. My favorite quote, there's seven, over 700 quotes in the book from different people. My absolute favorite quote is by, um, uh, Stephen Bassett, the executive director of paradigm research group, which is a UFO research group. And he, I put the whole quote in there. It's like three paragraphs long. And he, and I, and I don't have it in front of me, but I can, I, I, I know the, the gist of it. He, he says, imagine that life is like a giant jigsaw puzzle and you come into this world and you you're given this box, right? With all these pieces. And your job is to put all these pieces together. And if you do that, the picture that you see will be, the world as it truly and really is, he says. And so you, you, you get your box, you start putting pieces together and it's, and it's all good, right? You're, you're, you're doing that. He says, but there's a problem. It seems that the government that you're living on has made a decision to interfere with your uh, jigsaw puzzle building process. They've taken a bunch of pieces out of your box and have thrown them away. He said, and that's a problem. He goes, but it gets worse. They've taken some pieces from somebody else's box and thrown them into your box, but you don't know that. And you have to go along through your life with trying to put this puzzle together with pieces that will never fit. And he said, it is an almost impossible task for people to do, but it is very effective when for serving the state. And I was like, God damn, you're right. We're here trying to put all these pieces together. We don't even know if we have the right pieces. And so yeah. I, that, that made me think that like, 
it, it made me resent the powers that be even more because how dare you interfere with my my truth process, my puzzle process. It's my process. It's none of your business. And that you've gone in and messed with my pieces is it, you know, makes me despise the state even more. And, yeah. and so we don't know. We don't know if we're even putting the right puzzle together, you know. So it, it it's it's a and you know what's fascinating is that I think if we were able to even let's say we built our puzzle, I think it would be in the shape of a puzzle piece because every <laughs> single person has a puzzle piece and we all have to yeah. Yeah. It's a trip, man. I don't know. I'm just happy to be here. You know, I'm like like around as a writer watching all of this stuff unfold. I'm like, well, I got plenty to write about forever. <laughs> well, Charlie, thank you so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate you. Yeah, we'll have to do this again. Uh, yeah. Dude, I've got a million questions for you, so we'll just yeah, have to we'll do this go, again sometime. We'll do it the next time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, brother, do you want to tell our audience one more time where they can find you and all that fun stuff? Sure. Macroaggressions podcast goes out twice a week, once as a monologue and once as a video interview. You can catch it uh, in audio format wherever podcasts are available. In video format, I'm on band.video, iconic, Odyssey, Rockfin. The website is theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com. The books are available there in digital format, or you can get them uh, paperback on Amazon. I know, I know. Uh, And Twitter, you can follow me at Macroaggressions there. And thanks for having me on, guys. It was fun. Absolutely, man. Thank Thank you so much.